0: A Sense of Tumour. Hello and welcome to the final, yes this time it really is final, episode of A Sense of Tumour with me, Angela Young. This podcast series has followed me on my journey through a course of radiotherapy to treat the residue of a brain tumour. I've met so many interesting people along the way, Victoria Derbyshire talking about her public battle with breast cancer and Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath talking about how he dealt with radiotherapy for lymphoma. I also spoke to the brain surgeon who operated on a woman while she was awake and playing the violin, plus the head of Cancer Research UK and the Regis Professor of Physics at Addenbrooke's Hospital. But the guest who drew the most comments was Nikki Chapman, presenter of Escape to the Country and former pop idol judge. She had an operation to remove a meningioma which was similar in size and location to mine. She appeared briefly in episode four, but actually we had a good old chat and listeners have told me they'd like to hear more. So here is Anatta with Nikki. We started our conversation by my asking how she discovered she had a brain tumour. So for
1: me, I... At the beginning of last year, so 2019, I started to feel quite tired. But again, because of my age, you don't know whether that's because you're going through the menopause or it's because I wasn't working at the time. And sometimes the less you do, the more tired you are in a weird sort of way. But um, I came home from a, quite a busy day, and um, I was having some interviews, really, and some meetings. So when I got back, I tried to email somebody, and they'd already e- emailed me first. And I can remember thinking, damn, I wanted to say thank you, but they'd got to me. So I emailed back, but it took forever. And that sounds so silly now, but at the time, I was thinking, why can't I email properly? Every word I had to type with one finger. And it took me about half an hour to do three lines. I was on my own in the house. So whether my speech was affected, I don't know. By the time my husband got home, I said to him, I had a really weird day today. I could hardly read an email. And he said, oh, you're just tired, you know. And I was like, it was actually a bit freaky. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, how do you feel now? I said, I feel fine. He said, can you read? I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, you're just having one of your moments, you know. And then I didn't really think too much about it. We went on holiday. I took the biggest book ever to read. It took me like 10 days to read one book because it was so huge and I'm a slow reader. And so my my sight and everything was fine. I could look at my phone and I could text people. And I literally had been back, I think, a day. And I had a photo shoot in the morning, which sounds really glam, which is a bit odd because that isn't my life at all. But we did this lovely photo shoot and I walked... meet a friend for lunch and I got lost I was reading my phone as a map and I don't know about you Angela but sometimes I'm like is this north south east or west which way do I go and so you know I just thought oh god and I was an hour late for the lunch walking round and round Regent Street trying to find this stupid restaurant and then I left him and went somewhere else and literally I was going for a voiceover in the afternoon it's one of those days I packed it all in one day and all I had to do was voice a paragraph that we'd got wrong, or something had gone wrong on the escape to the country. And as I walked into the building, I couldn't remember who I was seeing and why I was there. So I took my phone out of my pocket. I said, "Oh yes, yes, I'm meeting." And it was my big boss, who I've known for years, lovely, lovely man. And by the time I got into the edit suite, I couldn't talk. And the editor was like, "Hi, Nikki, how are you? You, do you want a cup of tea?" And I nodded. And it took about ten minutes for my um sort of brain to kick in to work out why I was there and to be able to speak. So when my friend John came in, who is my big big boss and said, You are you okay? And I said, no, no, I'm not. I said this really weird thing's happened. And we decided I'd had a migraine. That's what we both decided. Never had one in my life, but we decided that's what it was. Mm. Had a few drinks afterwards and after a couple of drinks, I said, Well I better go home. Told my husband again and the next morning woke up feeling fine, turned on the computer. And I couldn't read. So I called my doctor and she said, don't come in. I think you've had a stroke. You better get to the hospital. And so Shaki, my husband, took me to the hospital and I knew straight away, if they think you've had a stroke or a heart attack, you literally go to the front of the queue. Mm. And within 10 minutes, they saw me. I didn't have to wait very long. We got there at nine o'clock because it wasn't busy. And I was in the scanner and I could tell by the way they were Mm. like, we're just going to take a Mm. few more that Mm. this wasn't a stroke. This was something else. But mine was, I don't know what yours was like, Angela. Mine was literally within three or four weeks, even though I'd had the tumour for years. Mm -hmm. My symptoms were very, very quick and very sudden.
0: Yes. And I was going to ask if you knew if it had been slow growing. I mean, have they have they been able to tell you much about it?
1: Um, Yeah, the weird thing is, and everyone's different. I haven't looked it up on the Internet. Which is quite strange. And my consultant said to me afterwards, we said, how did you put the um, sort of everything back in its right place? And he said, well, the metal plate. And my husband and I looked at each other and went, what metal plate? So, I mean, I think that (laughs) says it all, doesn't it? I did very little research. But the reason, and I don't want to sound sort of too glib on that, she says, taking a slurp of tea, is my consultant was so brilliant, I hung on his every word he is also very handsome and I have told him to his face I'm not saying anything that I haven't said before but I just literally everything he tells me to do I do so I don't look up Anything else? I mean, that's really bad English, isn't it? I don't bother looking at it, looking up my condition anywhere else because he tells me what I need to know mm. and what I need to do. Mm. And I know if I look it up on Google, I'll read stuff that I don't need to read, and mm. I'll get myself into all sorts of knots. I trust him. I trust the NHS. So it is slow growing. Going back to your question, which took me forever to answer. <laughs> um So I think I've had it sort of three or four years. Mm. They said it was it was pretty large. But then I've had so much correspondence from other people whose whose tumours are much bigger than mine. So I came out thinking I've got a large tumour. I don't think it's large as the sum, but it was sort of pretty good, sort of like golf ball size, I think oh, they said.
0: Snap, yes, mine too. Is it? Mm. Uh, where was where was you? I've got to ask you, where was yours or where is yours? Because <laughs> We've both got the residue, haven't we? Come on, where's yours? A weird conversation. Mine was right behind my right ear. And I'd got whooshing in my ear, like waves crashing. And my GP said I had earwax and gave me eardrops. And I'd got headaches for two years that would make me randomly <laughs> oh. throw up. Um, Travelling was awful. I kept arriving at people's, you know, friends' houses and bursting through the door and saying, where's the toilet? <laughs> and throwing up. And, and, and really? the G- Yeah, but the GP, just like you've described, uh, said um, stress, anxiety, hormones, all those things, which I do think GPs tend to um, lump us women of a certain age into that group.
1: Well, mine said stroke. Yeah. That's what she thought. Because when I rang up, the receptionist said, Oh, she's really busy, Nikki. She can't see you today. And I said, I can't see. I can't see. And the receptionist said, Have you gone and had your eyes tested recently? <laughs> Have you, you know? And I, said to, and I said to the lady, I'm not being funny. There is something wrong with me. I just mm-hmm. know. And the receptionist said she could tell by my voice. And she said, I'll get the doctor to call you straight back. And so the doctor called me straight back. And then she said, she listened to what I had to say and she said it sounds like a stroke Mm, mm -hmm. I have to say after when I was in the hospital and they diagnosed the tumor we rang the GP to tell her and they said we've been talking about you all morning Mm. and we wondered what it was and my husband rang and said look Nikki wanted you to know it's a stroke and then the next day I went and bought two um, bouquets of flowers not just for my NHS doctor but also for the receptionist because If they had fobbed me off, Mm. I probably wouldn't have gone any further. And who knows, because obviously mine suddenly kicked in. Mm. So I am extremely grateful, but I'm very sorry that your responses weren't quite the same as mine, our experiences.
0: My husband diagnosed me through a family medical encyclopaedia. Uh, it did no uh, yes it'd been given to us as a wedding present and it had a flow chart about headaches and the first question was um if you have headaches in the morning which i now know is a red flag uh, have you been drinking the night before if yes you have a hangover if no follow this and he he was trying not to say anything but he did buy me a nice um wedding anniversary present and he said to a friend i'm just going to keep the receipt in case <laughs> i mean, I mean oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but, I mean, we have to laugh now. I know we? We you have do. To laugh now. But what I wanted to talk about was the 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 intimate nature of brain surgery. Because I mean, we're, we're women. We think gynaecology is a, is a necessary intrusion, but there's yeah. nothing like having someone's hand inside your brain, is there? No,
1: I mean, it's quite amazing. My they told me straight away because I went to A and E. So a lovely doctor took me to one side and said. You have a brain tumor, so you know. After picking myself up off the floor, and Mm. I can remember not having a tissue, and nor did my husband. And thinking, looking up my sleeve, and I said to him, "I'm gonna cry, but just keep talking and ignore me." And you know, sort of like sniffing nose and all of that. Everything was moist, and he just looked at me, and I just was sobbing. I said, "Ignore me, just tell me what I need to know." Mm. So I didn't have. I sort of knew straight away. But the one thing they did say to me pretty early on, and I'm sure you feel the same, is we don't think it's cancer.
0: No, quite. And,
1: yeah. you know, first of all, getting over the, oh, I don't have a stroke at 52. Fine. But you've got a brain tumour. OK, fine, I think. But we don't think it's cancer. But you might lose your sight and you might not be able to speak. So that was my my. Uh, I call him Bert. He's behind my left ear so we're like mirrors you and I oh my goodness just like mirrors so mine's behind my left ear and again like you I've got a little bit of Bert left Mm. um the clean version is Bert the the filthy version is Bert and you can guess (laughs) what the rest of it is um but it it is a weird thing because they they did say to me that they could be big ramifications mm. after the surgery. Mm. Um, they didn't know if they could get it all out, and they were right. They couldn't because of where it was. It would be too dangerous to remove all of Bert. So Bert is now with me forever. But it is, it is a weird thing. It's a, it's a club that I didn't know I wanted to be in, and if I had you know, my time again, I'd rather not. Mm. Um, but a friend of mine is, is, has been very, very ill, and he contacted me and he said, Nikki, it's a dark gift. It's the gift that you didn't ask for, but it makes you treasure things afterwards. And I can really understand this. Angela, you and I have this dark gift. We're in a club with thousands and thousands of other people that we didn't know we were going to be in a club with. But we we all have that bond. We all have that understanding. And at the moment, we've all come through it. We don't know about the future. And I put one foot in front of the other and I don't worry about the future. as I don't worry about the past. I'm in the present, Mm. you know, my, I don't know how you deal with it, but my brain tumor is in a filing cabinet and it's in the bottom (laughs) drawer and he's always going to be there, but I don't need to keep opening that drawer and having a look at him. He's fine where he is. I don't need to, I don't want him to dictate the way I live my life. I don't want to live my life as the woman that has the brain tumour. I want to be mm. me.
0: That was my next question. It's how, how you were not defined by it. Because um, I was living in Munich when you were diagnosed and I actually had no idea and I'm really pleased because I I, I think of Sue Perkins and I think of Martin Kemp and I think, oh, they had brain tumours. And I don't think that about you, even though I now know you, you have. And so I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. You 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 need to not be defined by it.
1: Yeah, everybody is different, aren't they? Everyone deals with things in different ways. So I don't want to judge anybody, but I have met lots of people that have had life-changing illnesses and it's the first thing they bring up and it might have been a year, five, ten years ago. They still, they can get Mm -hmm. it into a conversation. Mm -hmm. They do. And it defines them and that's how they want to live their life and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be that person. No. I want to be, but, but... when you know when you kindly said to me, you know, would you like to do something on the podcast to help other people? I was like, you know what? Yes I would actually. Yes I would. Because, you know, I've got a stat somewhere and it is horrific. I think brain cancer kills more people under the age of forty and children Mm -hmm. than any other Mm -hmm. cancer.
0: Mm I didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. And this podcast is, is doing two things. Um, it's it, it's my way of dealing with it. I'm a reporter. Uh, give me a microphone and I have a sense of control over something that you feel completely out of control of. So bringing it into your sphere of knowledge. Secondly, I'm interviewing people, wonderful people like you, but the head of Cancer Research UK, Sarah Ninsall, chief executive for the Brain Tumor Charity, a research physicist at the company that makes the brain tumor machines, the, the X-ray machines. And the, yeah. that is... To inform people, and also um, with with a humour, uh, with with the title, a sense of humour to to actually t- try and say it's okay <laughs> to go through this with a smile because it can be quite yeah. a dark place. And oh I, yeah. I wondered if you'd had a um, any an inappropriate uh, moments of humour <laughs> along the way.
1: Um, I had I had three weeks from diagnosis to the operation. Mm. Um, and my surgeon said to me, "You know, it'd be quite good if uh, if you could have a few weeks in between to get yourself ready mm. mentally for what's going to happen." And I sort of at the time I was like, "No, no, I'd like you to take it out tomorrow, if you don't mind." But because it wasn't an emergency, he said it's good to get your head around it and to sort things out. So I went back to work. I went on Radio Two, <laughs> and um, I called I called the head of Radio Two, um, lovely, lovely lady, and said, "Look, I don't quite know what to say, but I'm on next week and the week after." I've got a brain tumour. And she was <laughs> incredible and said, if you want to be on air, that's fine. I'll make sure there's a stand in anything we can do any day. You don't want to turn up. Don't. But if you feel if you feel comfortable and you want to do it, we would love you to do it. I mean, how is that as supportive? I mean, that that's, is quite incredible. Fantastic.
0: I remember the day I got diagnosed and I um, I work freelance and I'd got a freelance job. And um, the, the neurologist who gave me um the scan results said um i've arranged for you to see a brain surgeon tomorrow and i said oh i can't i can't i've got to be in potter's bar at three o'clock and he said mrs young i, I think you should see the brain surgeon
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny isn't it how you know you look i the one time i did laugh was when i came out when i was um still in hospital but i came round because i was hallucinating and i did like to say to my friends and family you've got <laughs> Teeth coming out of your face look like Bugs Bunny and everything else. But I certainly was um, a little bit trippy for a few days. But I i found that I hardly told anybody. I don't know about you, Angela. I hardly told anybody because the people I did tell, mm. my parents were incredible because they're now of an age, you know, they don't need to hear that their daughter mm. might not come through the surgery and stuff. But they were incredible, as was my sister. My husband showed me a sign to him that I didn't know existed. I knew I'd married. A, a wonderful man um I always call him the hypochondriac because he's always ill but we actually realize I'm the one that's always <laughs> ill not him but he showed such a strength you know one of the first things I said to him was know, yeah, I need to have my hair extensions taken out I need to take my false nails off because I'm going oh my into my hospital God. oh and by the way darling we're doing our will and he said there's no need and I went there's every need and he said okay And, you know, he, the people around you, I think it's a lot harder Mm -hmm. because they don't, they have to show you that they think you're going to be fine. They have to say to you, it's going to be fine. You know, it's just a little rock and we're going to get through this. And we're, and then underneath they have to deal with everybody else who's ringing up going, is she okay? Mm -hmm. How's she coping? Mm -hmm. They've also like your husband's got to think, is she really going to come through this? Is she going to be the woman that I married or will she change personality character, which we know can happen? So my husband was amazing, and I was really resilient, and I said to the few people that I told, 30-second rule, 30 seconds, you cry for 30 seconds, and then you stop. And I could keep that going until about three days before the surgery, and I did um, House of Games, that Richard Osman show, and I was absolutely shocking. I said, yes, I'd do it, and I didn't want to cancel, and I should have done, and I came home, and I was on my hands and knees. It was Mm -hmm. three days before the surgery, and it was like, and I said I didn't really laugh before, is the honest truth. I put one foot in front of the other, and I'm going to beat this. I'm going to be upbeat, and I'm mm-hmm. absolutely going to make it. And there was no doubt in my mind. And if I wasn't going to make it, I didn't want to be around. Do you know what I mean? It's I one do. of those. I
0: absolutely do. Yeah. And,
1: and either let me go, or I'm going to be absolutely fine. But then when I came out, you're right. That dark humour comes in. And a friend of mine came around wrapped in bandages on the first day I was about out of hospital, completely like a mummy wrapped in bandages. <laughs> but I was like. <laughs> What are you like? What are you guys
0: like? <laughs> <laughs> I remember writing a household manual for my husband uh, um, on the pretense that he would need it while I was in hospital, but uh, realising that it might be useful in the longer term if necessary. Um, and yes. he, about the talking to other people, came up with a sort of an email circular so that he could just write once updates. And that, that was very useful. Have you
1: named yours,
0: by no, the way? No, I Does didn't. Have a name? You that, Isn't that funny? I didn't. I mean, I made oh. I named Bumps when I was pregnant, but but not 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 bad. That's really is interesting. Your, is yours male or female? Had never considered it. That I was going to ask you. Why is Why is Bert male? I don't know. Really? We
1: literally. Are we allowed to swear on this or not? You yes. can always bleep it out, can't yes. you? So we're sitting in um, Charing Cross Hospital, which isn't far from where we live. And they told me that I've got a tumour. So my nose is dribbling and I don't have a tissue and my eyes are red. And, and you know, I'm not looking my best. And there's everyone in the waiting room all looking at me, waiting probably for similar results, not looking their best either. And um, and I turned around to, to my husband, Shaq, and I said, it's Bert. Bert the bastard. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, that's it. That's it. He's named in shame. Yeah, Bert the bastard. One of the things that really I remember so well was um, when they said, we think it's not cancerous. And I couldn't understand how they could tell. And and now I do because they can nearly always tell by the look of it is the truth. Mine looked like a proper ball in my head. Mm. It didn't have any arms or legs or tentacles
0: hanging off it. So it didn't look like the coronavirus then?
1: No, no. Mine was, mine was, mine was quite neat and tidy. It was obviously getting fat, but then so am I. So that makes two of us. But I can remember them sort of saying, you know, when I had to go back and see the, well, see the specialist for the first time. So the doctor in A and E had told me, but I had to go and see my wonderful consultant, uh, David Peterson at, at Charing Cross. And I walked in shaking and sat down, and he was as calm as can be. We'd bought him a coffee beforehand, as if it was a bribe to say it's going to be lovely. <laughs> But my husband and I bought him a coffee and sat down with him. And, um, and he was very calm. And I'd written down all my questions. If ever, you know, when people are listening to this, if they are going through it, I don't know, but it helps me. I write my questions before I go in. And my husband puts down the answers because mm-hmm. sometimes you're in such a turn eight, you don't remember what they say. Mm. And, um, and we came out and Shaki, my husband, said, you know, God, you're high, Nikki. You're like artificially high. And I said, you have no idea. I said, he's told me that I'm probably gonna live, but I might lose the sight in my right eye. And I'm like, but will my left eye be okay? And he went, Well, I think so. And I'm like, Great, I can see yes, out of one eye. I agree. Mm-hmm. And you might you might lose your speech. And I said, Will it come back? And he said, Well, with therapy, and I'm like, Well, that's great. And it's amazing when your chips are down, what you'll take. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, and I don't know how you felt, but I said to him, Will I change? Will my personality and my character change? And he said, Why'd you ask? And I said, Well, I have heard that when people are very ill, sometimes that happens, especially with, um, with brain traumas and things. And he said, do you like who you are? And I said, well, I do in a way, and I'm a presenter, so I'd like to not change if you don't mind. And he said, and I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to say this or not, but he said, can't we improve on, we can't improve on perfection, then? Oh, I mean, isn't that just lovely? And so I lovely. walked out so high <laughs> and chat's like, there's a long way to go, Nick. And I'm like, I know, but, He's told me that I might only lose one eye and I might lose a bit of speech, but I can live with that. I can absolutely live with that. And that's a weird thing. Even now, sitting here, able-bodied, being able to see. So when I came out of my operation, handsome surgeon comes through the swinging doors. You know, it's like watching a drama and he whips off the cap that they wear when you're having your operation. And again, it's like a movie. And I sort of look at him with this massively bandaged head thinking, oh my God, I'm in so much pain. And I said, is that my handsome surgeon? And he said, well, um, yes. (laughs) And I said, thank you. He said, I'll talk to you in a minute. And then the the man next to me who's looking after me, um, I won't name him, but I remember his name very clearly. He was holding my hand and he said, are you okay, Nicola? Because I'm Nicola, you know, my Mm -hmm. proper name is Nicola. And I said, yeah, and he said, are you in pain? I said, I am. He said, well, we're going to have to give you some more morphine. Le- <laughs> we'll have to leave you down here. And I went, give me the morphine. And he held my hand and I said, if I've got to stay down here, X, because I don't want to give his name. And I said, will you do me a favor? And he said, yes, of course. And I said, will you ring my husband and tell him that I'm OK? And he said, well, and I said, have you got your phone on you? And he said, I have. And I said, well, this is his number. And I gave him the number. And the phone rang because my husband was like eight floors up from where i was in the operating theater and the gentleman said hello is that david because my husband's name is david i call him shaki his name is david he said yes it is he said oh i'm with your wife nicola and she says she can see and hear and she's fine and that was the moment because shack realized because our surname is shackleton i call him shack or shaki that not only could i hear and see which was the big thing that we were waiting to find out i'd also remembered his mobile number like just after coming out of surgery and that's the defining moment for me if ever i think about my tumor it's not about the diagnosis it's not about the what could it was what happened and that was the most amazing moment for me and if there is somebody upstairs and i i believe in god i thanked him because you know who knows luck has to be on your side positivity Mm -hmm. I went into that operating theatre as positive as I possibly could through tears but really positive but I came out and I thought as soon as I saw my surgeon I can see you I can hear you and I can speak and I'm like wow more than I more than I thought yeah more than I thought
0: And what a wonderfully positive way to end this series. My thanks to Nikki and to Ben Carver for sound design, to the staff in the radiotherapy department of Addenbrookes Hospital, to the Brain Tumor Charity and to the band Feeder for the use of their song, Radiation in My Head. And finally, to my family for their love and support throughout this time. Bye for now.